If you're an entrepreneur in the UAE, chances are you've heard the name Reem Alhuni. Reem is the woman behind TI22 Films and Dubai On Demand. Reem is very well known for her videos that she puts out helping business owners and executives on how they can improve their presence on camera and film. And she is also produced the TV program for Expo 2020, and she produces a nighttime news program on the evening news in English in Dubai. What this woman has achieved is outstanding, and you are absolutely going to love the insights that Reem gives into how she's built her business and how you can be better on film. Welcome to the Women on the Rise podcast. I'm Jen Blandos, and I am so excited to share with you that for the next 30 days, I am introducing you to 30 of Female Fusions members from around the world. They are going to share with you their stories of entrepreneurship, their highs, the lows, what inspired them to get into business, which I hope will inspire you along your entrepreneurial journey. Welcome to another episode of Women on the Rise. And this is our special edition where we are featuring 30 of our inspirational female entrepreneurs in Female Fusions over the next 30 days. And today I am joined by Reem Alhuni, who is the founder of TI22 Films. Welcome to the show, Reem. Thanks so much for having me, Jen. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here and to talk everything business and setting up our businesses in the UAE. Now, you have a couple of businesses in the UAE. Maybe you can tell everybody about what you do. Sure. Um, well, ultimately, I'm super passionate and obsessed by the world of film and television. So I started my production company, TI22 Films, almost 13 years ago. Um, but since then, because our industry evolves so much, we've developed other brands to cater to other markets and other video production. So Dubai On Demand is another one of our popular brands. Uh, again, video, but we focus more on the personal branding side of things, getting entrepreneurs comfortable in front of a camera. Um, we also have other brands that focus more on social content, on animated content. But the main message is video is king. And that's what I'm really passionate about. So we keep evolving in that space. Oh, yeah. I mean, video has become so important in business. I've been a business owner for over 20 years now. And just seeing how powerful video is now, especially I think over the past couple of years, it's it's everything for a business owner. I think it's crazy when you hear some of the statistics out there. I mean, it's something as high as 93% of people say they've made a sale using a video on social media. So when you hear 93%, it really tells you that if you're not using video right now, you're missing a huge opportunity. Um, and I think also COVID played a really big part in that. I think COVID made people bit more comfortable with the world of video um, and just comfortable creating it, not just consuming it. So we've seen a big uprise in people being taking that power into their own hands and creating content, which I think has made a huge difference. One of the things that I've seen that's different over the past few years, pre-COVID, post-COVID, is I think the kind of content that's being created and the quality of content. I remember myself before COVID, it had to be perfect. You know, it had to be perfect, perfectly lit. I had to have my hair, my makeup done. All of that had be, to be perfect before I would appear on video and share it on social media. Now I do not care. <laughs> it is like a completely, like I go more for the authentic look. And if I make a mistake, 
that's okay. Um, it doesn't need to be perfect. Well, I think something I always tell everyone is that the most Googled words are how to and how do I. So people are always trying to learn, which means that as long as you're teaching someone something in your content and they're taking value from it, it doesn't really matter what you look like. The aesthetics aren't as important as, important as you think. Having said that, I do think there's a, play, a time and a place for both types of content. And I guess because we work with a lot of corporates as well, yes. I do believe that perception is reality. If you're trying to target a particular brand, you want to make sure that your brand presence evokes that and shows that. But for your day-to-day -day content, just picking up your camera, being visible is important. So I think people need to get over that hiccup of, oh, my makeup isn't done. Oh, I'm not looking the way I need to. Just do it as long as you're educating or believe it or not, entertaining. Entertaining is not my strong suit, so I shy yeah. away from that. But educating, I think everyone has something valuable to share. And as long as your content has that, then hopefully they start to take on, get a bit braver and take that on. And when you do it again and again, it just becomes easier to yep. doesn't it? The first time, I always say to people, the first time you do it, you're going to look back at it six months or a year later and go, oh my goodness, I sucked. It's yeah. never going to be as bad as the first time that you did it. So I you think, might as well do it. I think I, I know you're aware of this and a lot of female fusion members are. We run a workshop, which we call Level Up. And, you know, for me, a big part of that is actually seeing people's confidence change yeah. over the weekend. It's almost not about the video anymore. It's just seeing people who for their entire lives thought, oh, this isn't something I could do. I can't really put myself out there and pushing themselves out of their comfort zone. And in just a, a couple of days, because they've happened to do it their confidence changes they now can see a potential for themselves where they can be more visible and it is the practice it's just getting out there and doing yes. it and the more you do it the more comfortable you are and the, we need to all start normalizing it because it is what people are consuming right now yeah and people aren't going to remember that video that you did three months or six months ago yeah. either they're going to remember what they saw this afternoon yeah. or yesterday Totally. And I think that's the other thing. It's like I've got to the pl a place now where I don't watch anything I've done. So I film it and put it out. I don't need to see it. I don't need to like question what I look like. Did I tuck my shirt yeah. in? I don't want I don't want to know. As long as I've given value, I think that's enough. And you just put it out into the ether. So so yes, absolutely. It's just getting into the habit of putting it out there, I think makes a very big difference. So what would you say to to people? Because there are a lot of people who really have this fear of like, no, I'm not good on video. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. How can they get over that fear to actually show up on video? I think with most people, they underestimate the expertise that they have. And a lot of the time they don't know how to start because they don't know what they're going to say. So I think step one is like really focus on, well, firstly, what's your objective? Why are you even doing this? If you know why, then that's going to help you narrow down the kind of content you're going to share. And if you're confident in your content, then that's really where you need to get your confidence from to get in front of a camera. Yeah know what you're going to say, make sure there's value in it and just practice. And I'd say, start slow, look at yourself in the mirror, practice in front of a mirror and realize you can do this. This is much easier than you think. If you're someone who gets a little bit self-conscious, I've noticed that filming on your phone, a lot of people start looking at themselves. What you want to do is like stare at the lens and maybe put a post-it on the camera. So you're not actually looking at your reflection. So just these small tips about just getting out there and doing it. I recently told someone, start filming, someone loves voice notes. Everyone in the planet likes recording voice notes at the moment start recording video notes just yeah. so that you can get more comfortable with the exercise of putting your camera out there and recording yourself so i think every opportunity you have to get in front of a camera 
do it. Don't underestimate how that's going to help your whole journey. And I've seen those shifts. It's the confidence in what you're saying, but also pay attention to your own habits. So what I mean by that is when you're watching someone else's content, you're probably not judging them. Like no one's watching my content thinking, oh, she's got more gray hairs this week than she had last week. <laughs> no one's doing that. They're paying attention because they're hoping to learn something. So you need to kind of forgive yourself a little bit and not yeah. worry so much about how you appear or how you feel on camera. Nobody cares. As long as they're learning from you, that's the core objective. So just really focus on that. Yeah, I agree with you. And that was something as well that I had to get over when I was appearing on camera quite a bit. And in the beginning, it was like hair, makeup, I have to look really good. And then after you do it so many times, I'm like, here I am, sweaty, coming out of the gym. I don't really care. <laughs> I have a message I'm going to deliver. But interestingly, those are the videos that people connect with the most. Right? Because they look at you and like, I can relate to that. That's me. You know, yeah. so you kind of underestimate that the more raw you are, the more natural you are, the more likely it is that you are going to connect with someone on a very different level and that that's and encourage and inspire them to act. Yeah. And it, it comes down to as well, though, I guess, um, about your personal brand and what it is that you want your personal brand to, to be like and how it's linked to your business as well. Absolutely. Which is why coming back to there being a purpose for every type of content. Yes. So I happen to produce both. So I make sure that at least once a week, I do have a professionally filmed and edited video admittedly I run a video production company so it's a bit easier for me to do and you kind of have to I guess there's kind of the expectation as well like Reem's got to look good on at least that, some of those absolutely. videos I mean I wouldn't want to be here saying get your videos out there and I wasn't doing it myself so right. I definitely at least once a week have my professionally produced video because I'm very conscious that I work with corporates I work with executives I definitely want to give off a very professional environment and also it's it's a great demonstration of what I do having said that a lot of my content on Instagram or other social platforms is a lot more relaxed is a lot more casual often stuff I've done on my phone I do think there's a place for both types of content and it is important to do both depending on what your objective is and I, I think it's important that you said that with the objective and really thinking about the audience because as you said maybe if you're targeting corporate audiences that their expectations are going to be different if you were looking at you know other entrepreneurs or the general public where they're more interested in seeing you a bit more authentic and raw and real where the corporates are like no, I want to see how polished she's going to be. I always say perception is reality. Yeah. So how you come across is what they're going to expect. But as well as that, just thinking about the types of content you put out there. So I often, you know, coming back to the question of what's your objective, depending on your objective, you're going to put out different types of content. So for example, if your objective is to be a thought leader or to develop your personal brand, the kind of content you're going to put out there is probably, in my case, I'll be talking about the future of AI and how it's impacting our industry, the latest camera technology that's coming out that's unlikely to get me a new customer but it's probably going to get me an article in a magazine or get me a speaking opportunity whereas if I want a new customer the type of content I put out is more related to how videos can help you grow your business the types of videos you can produce so obviously the type of content is determined by my objective and will get me a very different result so based on that that's also going to determine how I film it and the quality mm -hmm. so I think a lot of people don't think about these things and they sit there and go oh it didn't work you know I yeah. posted these videos and it didn't work I said but did you have the right objective and have you produced the right kind of content at the right quality to meet that objective correct and when you rewind you often realize they're misaligned somewhere and it's th this comes down to strategy as well right and 
oftentimes when, and I'm sure you see this as well, when you talk to entrepreneurs and they tell you that they're not making money or the videos aren't working or it's not happening in their business, when you look at it, you realize that there is, you know, that the strategy is is not there and that it's it's not consistent either. You know, five videos are not going to change change your life <laughs> it drives me crazy it drives me because often or not i bet you wouldn't believe it but it often takes anywhere from 11 to 12 videos before someone turns around and goes oh i've watched your videos how many people do you think actually get to 11 or 12 videos most people will give they up don't. after video three <clears throat> or four because video one is when all your friends and family like it and share yeah. a mabrook and you'll feel great video two you get a few people who are still on that bandwagon. By video three, your mum has given up. They've seen it. <laughs> but I think people forget we're not doing creating content for our friends and family. We're creating content to hopefully attract a new audience. Yes. And that takes time. So building that is consistency. That's what what builds it. So if you don't have the consistency, it's not gonna work. And it, it can be so hard sometimes because you can feel like nobody is listening or nobody is watching. And I, I'm sure you go through this too. I, You and I produce a lot of content and we're putting out stuff every day. And I don't know if you felt this, but I felt times where it's been like, oh, is anybody even like paying attention? And I put so much time into it, researching and planning and thinking about what I'm going to say that some days you're like, is this worth it? And then you have people come up to you. What I found is always changed my mind is people come up to me and they're like, oh my God, I love that video that you did. And you talked about that and it resonated with me or I listened to the podcast and you know, this taught me so much. Mm. And then I realized it's like, even if I don't see you or if I don't know that you're there, you have your audience paying attention. I think I learned this lesson a few times recently and I completely agree with you. And it's it's never what happens in public. It's always what happens in private. And I've noticed that, you know, you can put posts and videos up there that get very little engagement, very little comment, but people then DM you. They're the ones where they're now interested in having a conversation yes. or maybe having a moves into a sale. Why wouldn't they do it in public? They do it in private. And I look at your own behavior. How many videos or, or posts do you actively like, comment, engage with? Probably not many. So yet we have that expectation from other people to yeah. do it on our content. And you're I mean, you're still seeing it. Yeah. And sometimes as well, I just get really busy and I'll scroll through. I make a point of trying to engage on social media every every day. That's yeah. part of our strategy. But there's one sometimes that I'll see and go, oh, that's really great. And then I'll realize, oh, I didn't like it. You know, part of me feels bad because as a content creator, you want people to engage with your stuff. Mm. So I sort of feel that it's nice to do that. But oftentimes... I forget. But I think sometimes people do it for other reasons. They may not want to share that content with their whole network on yes. LinkedIn, or they may not want to admit that they happen to like or enjoy or relate to a certain piece of content. And they know that if they like, it's now in the public domain. Or so, that they can't do what it is that you're talking about and they need help. Absolutely. And yeah. that's when you find they'll often engage with you privately and send you a direct message. But I've also had it happen just like you. I, I was in a mall one day and this woman walked up to me and went, oh, Oh, your ream and I was like oh my god and you know when your head races going, <laughs> like, how do I know her, her? where do I yeah. know her how do I know her and I thought oh my god I don't know her how you know and yeah. she was like oh I've been watching your videos and my son's been sending me your videos and I know I need to get more visible and I know I need to get out there and how do I do this and it just touched me so much yeah. because I realized that you just never know 
what content you're putting out there and how it's impacting different yeah. people. This is someone I didn't even know who walked up to me. And it's so beautiful. It is. It's amazing. And I think especially because I've, I've grown up in the world of film and TV. And I remember a time where I used to think, what makes celebrities famous? Like, I, I you know, I'd be on these TV studios and I think, why are they getting all this attention? I mean, ultimately, <laughs> they're doing their job. We're watching them do their job. We're making them famous for doing their job. If people watch me do my job, I'll be famous. Right. And I think we're now finally in an era where just because of how social media is developed and our access to getting out there with our phones, where you can claim that attention for yourself. Yeah. So I think if you're able to do that, you see the results. Yeah. And I, I never would have imagined, you know, I say this because I, I would actually consider myself someone who was a bit more on the introverted side and I would say five six years ago I wouldn't have put myself in front of a camera it's been a journey and I've seen that transition how yeah. it's affected me personally and professionally well and I've seen as well because I've seen some of your earlier videos when you first started to now wow you know you were like you were just on fire with your your videos every single one of your videos are so content rich and so valuable for for people that you know, you're, you've got a great service that you are giving to people from all of your content as well. And not many content creators have that. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate that. But it, it, it comes down to understanding that people want value. So yes. I, I really do my best to ensure especially with my video content that I'm sharing something useful yeah. that you're going to learn from whether you work with me again or not. That's, yeah. that's irrelevant. It's about you taking something away and I do believe that over time you know it, you're building your visibility you're building your credibility and then the time is going to come where you know if someone needs help hopefully they'll remember you yeah and that's what I think is so powerful and I wish that especially entrepreneurs would realize more that there's almost this they want the instant gratification like I'm going to put this out there I want lots of people liking it lots of people following lots of people commenting and it's not like that and if you look at it more from a point of service, and this is one thing, and I think both you and I, like with our videos, um, you know, very different videos, but there's not a lot of selling that yeah. goes on. And it's more of a, let me share this knowledge, let me share this information in the hopes that one day they're going to come back to us or recommend their friends to us or tell somebody else about what it is that you're doing. I believe that fully. And this year in particular, I've had some amazing things happen. Um, I've had someone who I worked with, I think it was about 18 years ago, 18 years ago, reach wow. out to me through LinkedIn saying, we're working with a client in Dubai. I've been watching your videos and I think you'd be able to help. This year, I had someone 18 years ago. I had one reach out from 15 years ago, one from 11 years ago, three people. And I found that really interesting because they're in my LinkedIn network. Yeah. They're not people who I engage with at all, um, but clearly they're still watching and they've been watching for some time. And over time, that message has kind of seeped in. And now that they're ready and there's an opportunity, I was the person who jumped into their head. And I think that's the point really, is building your visibility and staying top of mind as much yeah. as possible so that when that opportunity arises, hopefully you get that mm. message. So that comes down to being consistent, yeah. sharing value. Um, you know, because a lot of times people, a lot of the videos, and I'm sure you see it as well, that the videos are sell, sell, sell. Let me tell you how great I am. 
do we really want to watch that? No. <laughs> but, you know, having said that, I agree. Like, most of mine are giving value, but I do believe... So I we, we have programs that yeah, we promote. And so it's about the balance as well. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, you're giving value, giving value, giving value, and then you can potentially yes. promote, you know? Because and, we've earned it from, I've given you five pieces of value. Yeah. Let me have one piece where I can tell you why you would want to recommend people to me or why you want to work with me. Yeah, so I've noticed lately I've been um, a bit more confident in actually promoting our services yes. and what we do. But again, I don't feel like I'm selling because I, I feel like, as you've said, you've I've earned, earned it. it. I feel yeah. like I have been educating you. I'm here to support you. And I want to. I definitely want to see you on this journey. If we can support you with that, Great. And then you kind of move on. So I do think in your content cycle, it's having that balance of the education before, definitely before you can promote something that you're working on. How do you stay consistent? Because this is a hard thing, right? That, um, and I think this is where business owners struggle is trying to put out content every day or three times a week or whatever that cycle is, that when you get busy, that that sometimes gets dropped because you're running your business or you're servicing a client or a customer. Mm-hmm. How do you, with everything you have going on at TI22, stay consistent with that? So I have two very different strategies, one for my professionally produced videos and one for all of my other content that that I create. For the professionally produced videos, they're definitely batched. So I will sit there for one day and I'll I'll plan and I'll think, what's all the content that I want to put out there in the coming three to four months? And I will think through the topics. I'll do a bit of research. I'll understand what people are asking for because I do think that's one of the best ways of creating content. Look at what your audience is asking and see if you can answer those questions. I'll list that out and I'll plan a filming day. Yeah. And I'll film them all back to back. So for me, if it involves me, you know, bringing 12, 15, 16 outfit changes, whatever it needs to happen that day and just get them done. And that's the only way I can make sure that I'm at least posting a professional video once a week because the consistency of that is important. So then I've secured that. When it comes to all the other content, because I actually post every day. So when it comes (laughs) to you and me both, (laughs) when it comes to the other content, um, I do two things. I think I'm, I very much capitalize on every opportunity I have in day-to-day life. So, you know, I'm here with you on a podcast recording, taking photos, taking videos, making sure that I'm creating content. I don't know when I'll post it, but I'm banking content. So everything that I do, if I happen to meet an important client, I go to a networking event, I'm constantly capturing content. And I think that's a mindset shift where you have to realize that Everything you do now has potential to earn you that next piece of contact and and also that next opportunity. So I'm constantly banking, not even knowing what I'm going to do with it. I don't know what my caption is, when I'm going to post it, what it's going to look like, but at least I've captured it. So that's one. And the third, which has been a big shift for me, is that shift of putting social media down as my business development time. Yeah. Because I think for a lot of people, like, oh, I'm wasting time on social media. I can't believe you spend that long on social media. In my head, it's my business development time. If you look at my schedule, it is actually scheduled in. I've yeah. got my morning has my morning team huddle. And immediately after my team huddle is LinkedIn. Yeah. You know, and I'm more than happy to spend if it means I spend half an hour I spend half an hour. If it means I have to curate or customize a new post that's more relevant to that day and that time, I do it. And I do exactly what you mentioned, which is engage with other people. Because a big part of your growth is also the engagement. So I think 
putting it down as business development has also been a game changer into how I perceive the use of that time. Um, and just to add to that, I had an interesting exercise with my team recently where we looked at how we spend our time and what the most effective use of our time is. And I actually asked them, I said, where do you think one of the most effective uses of my time is? And I think almost all of them said on social media because they've seen <laughs> yeah. that when I create content, what that does, it's kind of the, it's the inbound leads that it generates. And so I know that that is actually a valuable use of my time yeah. that is revenue generating for my company. And it isn't a vanity play. It isn't me just showing off what I've done today. It is actually planting seeds for someone to reach out to us in the future for one of the services that we offer. It's strategic. Yeah. And uh, I think you're right, though, that some people see social media as being a bit frivolous. Yeah. And when you're a business owner, social media needs to be part of that strategy, part of the personal brand building, part of the building of the brand of your business yep. as well. And I think people forget that sometimes. They fully forget it. And, yeah. I, and I think perhaps they haven't done it long enough or they haven't seen the results or the, I, I don't know. I feel like for me, the first year of doing it, I didn't see many results I did get a lot of people invite me onto a podcast or, or you know opportunities I didn't get business so I and I just kept going because I believe in it so I kept going mm. I would say now it's a lot easier now I can see tangible you know inquiries or tangible sales or and and then I realized that you know what that post can actually result in business right. you know so this is not this isn't frivolous this is business development but it's where you need to be strategic though yeah. about doing it and I think too you, you need to do your time yeah. like we do with the business you can't set up a business and six months later expect that it's going to be profitable and you're going to be making lots of money we we have to do our time yeah, absolutely. with everything now I want to go we could talk for hours about video and social media and everything else but I want to kind of look under the hood of Reem's business if you don't mind sure. I want to to hear a bit more um about what you're doing because your business has has really taken off over the past couple of years and I think as a business you've changed as well a big thing that you you had happened to you is you won the contract to do Expo TV so you were the company that put on all the TV shows for for Expo 2020 when we had that in 2021 in Dubai not 2020 how was that experience did that change everything for your business Honestly, when I look back at that experience, it's a bit like a dream. It's just kind of a haze how it just went. It came and went so quickly. Yeah. But it was such an amazing opportunity. Um, for those who don't know, I'm, you know, I started my career in TV. I'm very passionate about TV. I really enjoy it. And I used to be an executive producer at Dubai One and I was in-house. So it's quite an amazing feeling to now be commissioned by your ex-employer to, you know, produce a daily live TV show. So I definitely felt, um, you know, I'd come full circle in terms of like being back to an environment that I really enjoy, that I really thrive in, but now doing it under my own company. Um, I think that was a big milestone for us to achieve. And especially because COVID really did slow down our industry. Yeah. And in fact, you know, the Expo contract was something we'd won before COVID. We'd won it and I actually received the contract on the week of, you know, March 17th, when we suddenly oh. all shut down. So I was sitting there going, I have a signed contract. What does this mean? And, um, you know, and they're like, oh, well, it's all being postponed. And it took a while to realize, oh, you know, it's being postponed. And fortunately, it all, you know, picked up again. Um, 
But for us to have gone through such a, a downward spiral with COVID and then to come back up, you know, almost like a phoenix with, yeah. with the Expo project, I think it really has made a significant difference because it kind of put, firstly, it put television back on the map. I think, you know, within the UAE, within Dubai, there aren't so many opportunities for local TV production, let alone in English. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I used to produce, I actually produced the first English language TV show here back in 2007. So it was one of those situations where it's great, we're bringing English TV back. Um, so as an opportunity, it was great to be in that world, but also no one really knew what to expect. So like Expo was crazy. You know, it was like, it was, I mean, I could tell you some horrifying stories about how, you know, just days before it looked like the whole site. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, it's still surprising. It was, it was a building site up until like a few hours before they opened, wasn't it? And then still like behind the curtain, they were still fixing but things. But Jen, from a TV perspective, our very first live TV show was the very first time we used the gallery that we were in, which is kind of the, you know, where everything gets managed for yes. a TV studio. Um, imagine, you know, you can imagine with an event of this scale, this is the type of thing that you would have rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and got right. Our first time using it was on air, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, just to give you a brief example of the kind of madness, um, you know, you've got a live show on and normally in a live show you have reports and we'd have, in that particular show, we had around 12 reports. So normally, if you can imagine a presenter saying something along the lines of, let's take a look at how the pavilion came to life, and then you'd cut to a report. Right. So we had 12 reports that were in the system, or we thought they were, until the show went on air. We went on air and none of those reports were in the system. So imagine you've got these presenters ready to throw to a report and there aren't any. And I was going, guys, guys, we have no reports, no reports, so, keep talking, keep talking, keep talking. And so they'd they be just freestyled. And they the just freestyled, they freestyled. And I'd be like, do we have a report? Do we have a report? And eventually, like, we've got one, we've got, what do we have? What do we have? And we're like, oh, we've got one on workers. Tom, we've got our report on workers, if you could please throw to that. And he'd go, well, it looks like we have a report on workers. And we'd cut to the workers report. And that bought us three minutes to figure out what we were going to do next. Was. And we spent the entire live show in improv ad lib land, just trying to figure out, despite our plans, despite our scripts, yeah. despite everything, purely because it was our first time in that in that gallery. <laughs> I can go on. I have so many stories like this. They're but, frightening. But what an amazing experience, though, on the other hand, right? Because what does that teach you? Like, so many lessons from that, right? I mean, I think, you know, when people have asked me before, like, what is my superpower or what is my... It's always been calm under pressure because I've been put into so many ridiculous situations yeah which I know someone else would have like pulled the hair out and I've managed to sort of like, no, we're going to manage it. It's okay. There's a way. Expo was one of those almost on a daily basis. So I definitely think my tolerance level has got to new heights. Um, and you just put in situations I never thought I'd be put in before. So it does teach you. And so I'm actually incredibly grateful because I think, you know, it had been a while. COVID was a bit slow. And this kind of just put you straight back into the driver's seat in a very unusual situation. I mean, you're now dealing with dignitaries and presidents and 191 countries, each of which have different demands and and you're live every day and i mean it, it was a challenge crazy. crazy it was crazy but i really appreciate the craziness yeah. i appreciate coming out the other end and i'm so proud of that entire period what an achievement 
for you to have done that. Thank you. It, it yeah. is one that I'm very, very proud of. Well, and I saw you several times in the TV studio. And I remember every time I saw you in the TV studio, you were like, I could see you were like a, a duck, like swimming there or, you know, a swan, very graceful. And underneath, I knew like your feet were going quite rapidly trying to work it all out. Um, but you just managed it so calmly and so perfectly. But also as well, I know from seeing you, you also had this air like, don't mess with me. I'm in charge. I'm going to make this stuff happen. <laughs> you kind of need that. You have you to. You need that in that environment because otherwise things don't happen. But yeah. I think it's also, you know, I'm a very big believer of where you, there's a will, there's a way and you set a vision and it's you're moving ahead. And I mean, just to give you another example, I think two days before National Day, two days, we were in a meeting where I was taken into a meeting. I said, so how long can you go live for on National Day? And I went, what does that mean? How many hours are we talking? Do you think you can stay on air for seven hours? And I was like, oh, my word. And, but I've got to a place now where I heard that and I thought, oh, that's an exciting challenge. And I went, yes, yeah, yeah we could do it. We can go yeah. on air for seven hours. What do we need? What are we doing? And I remember coming out of that meeting room and going into the, the team meeting and went, right, in two days, we're going live for seven hours and we have a show in between. We're going to figure it out. How are we going to do it? And I think... When you put in that environment enough times, it yeah. teaches you that you just get on with it, believe it's going to happen, and you find a way. Yeah. One of the things that I found when I left the UK and moved to the Middle East, it's a very different way of working in Europe as it is to the Middle East. And one of the, the phrases that I always used to say to people when they would come out to the Middle East is, you expect the unexpected. Mm. And if you expect the unexpected everything is fine. And to this day, I still feel like expect the unexpected. And you almost like change the way that you do business in a way when you're in this part of the world where, you know, crazy stuff like that happens. And you're like, nah, it's all right. I'll do it. I, I think I've become a much better producer, a much better business person because of the environment that we're in. Yeah. Because I know that there are situations where other people would say no and I'm ready for it. And I'm like, yep, let's do it. Because I've, I've seen what's possible. You could pull miracles out of hats. Seven you know? hours. Absolutely. And how many hours did you go live for? Was it seven or we was it We did go more? for seven. No, we did go for seven continuous hours. And believe it or not, which is a challenge, fault-free. For a live show to go wow. fault-free for seven hours... Um, and, and I just remember it being very, we had something like, I want to say 25 guests on um, during that set, which we only, we organized the day before. And were they all dignitaries? They were a combination, that we had a whole mix of, mix of people, but it was national day. So it had yeah. to be epic. I wanted it to really stand out as a show. So we included all 12 of our presenters and we had different shifts going and we had four live cameras all over the site. It was epic. But having said that, I really enjoyed it. You know, so when I look back, it was definitely a day that I, I remember feeling a sense of achievement and really proud of just everyone coming together to make it happen. And I think that's the other thing in our industry. It is all about team. It's all about getting everyone aligned, having that vision and also showing everyone else that you can do this, yeah. you know, because I think it's very easy in day to day life to go, oh, I can't do it. Oh, I can't do it. And then you're put in a situation like this and like, oh, look, it's possible, you know, which is great. Yeah, I guess um, 
every day is interesting working at TI22 Films in Dubai on Demand. <laughs> well, it is. We try. We try, yes. So I, I want to jump. There's so many more things I want to ask you about your business. But the other thing I want to talk about, too, is a little bit about team. Because you have a big team and you have a team of full-time and freelance people. How, how do you manage such a big team and manage to get them to work cohesively together and keep that motivation up? So I'm going to say something which may sound really unusual, but I'm obsessed with positivity. Like I'm very obsessed with positivity. Yes. I'm also obsessed with Tony Robbins. So I've been to quite a few of his events. And I remember coming back from one of his events for anyone who isn't familiar, you know, you'd be sitting there and you'd be taking notes and you're learning something. And then he suddenly gets everyone to stand up and dance and hug a friend and do a high five. And, and I remember thinking, wow, that's like an amazing energy to have. And everyone's happy all the time. And I want to embrace that. And I want to have that in my work environment. And I came back from one of his events and I literally told one of um, my teammates and I said, from now on, every day, you're playing music three times a day and we're all going to jump up and down. And she thought I was crazy and they all thought I was crazy. And they didn't believe you were going to do it. And they didn't believe I was going to do it. And every time the music played, I'd see people going, oh my God, she's making us dance again. But you know what? They dance and they smile and they all, you know, they look great and like as if they've had a great time by the end of it. So I, I believe in energy. I believe in things staying as positive as possible. In fact, every single team member, you know, right from their interview, I actually tell them that I take positivity really seriously seriously and as a result you know I want everyone to have a positive outlook on how we achieve things and how we do things I'm not in denial I know things may go wrong in life but it makes a very big difference if you approach things with that mindset and I think that's what's helped us grow I think even as a culture everyone is generally happy um, and looking for ways to support each other um, something I learned recently is um, the power of gratitude chats so I decided you know what our team's going to have a gratitude chat I just created a whatsapp group put everyone in it and just said right whenever anyone does anything that you're grateful for thank them um, and even then you see people thanking each other for the most surprising oh. things and sometimes they're really small things I think I saw someone write a few weeks ago thank you to you know a colleague for making sure I ate lunch and you know it's just such a small thing but I think when you show gratitude to other people it really has an impact and, yes. and you know it and I also think when you recognize something it repeats. So if you're recognizing that behavior, then you're encouraging it to continue. So I think a lot of these things, if I'm honest, I learn them from other places. And then I look at how can I implement them within my team, because I really value the culture. Um, and a big part of it is getting to know them. I spend time doing one-to-ones with each of them, really trying my best to understand what's important. Um, I'm a big believer in vision boards. So, you know, it's important they do their vision boards. But as a company, how do we bring their visions into the company vision board because then hopefully they're a bit more excited about achieving what we're trying to achieve as a company so yeah I would agree everything team related and the growth has come about because of the culture and hopefully attracting the right type of people into that culture so as well as everything to do with your team you are also quite big on personal development you mentioned that you love Tony Robbins and do everything Tony Robbins does but I know as well um, that you do a lot of professional development as well how has that helped you with with growing your business I think honestly when I started my business I knew that I was great at producing I was very confident in my skill set to produce video content I wasn't that confident in my ability to 
be a business person and everything that entailed. I also felt that I was more of an introvert. I'm learning more recently, but um, the idea of sales scared me. And I thought, oh my God, am I going to have to cold? I don't want to cold call anyone. I hate that idea. So I, that's really where it started in terms of like signing up to every course known to man, because mm. I just felt like I needed to equip myself with the right skills to succeed. So, you know, sales courses, referral courses, marketing courses, software courses, whatever, whatever came out. I'm like, I need to sign up. You did it. I did it. I did it because I just thought I need to learn. I need to, I need to feel as confident as I am producing videos. I need yes. to feel that confident in running a business. So, and I think also my personality style is that I'm, I'm a learner, you know, I want to learn, I want to implement. So I gradually over time, you know, the more I learned, the more I, I started to implement and I can see the differences that it's made to my business. And, and as the team grew, I started to educate them as well. So whenever I learn something, it's like, right, I need to, I need to make sure the team learns some, learns this as well so that we can keep shifting. So, um, so I think I've seen the difference it's made to me personally, but professionally and to the team and because of that it's encouraged me to keep going so I'm always on yeah. this spiral of like okay what do I learn next and not only that I think I happen to be in an industry that's always changing and because my industry is changing all the time I can't afford not to learn like I have to stay up to date on whatever the latest trends are or whatever whatever direction the industry is moving in because that's actually what's enabling us to continue to pivot and continue to evolve yeah. which we need to and if we don't evolve especially in our world we could be redundant really quickly yeah that's a really valid point but don't you find it surprising as well that you know when you see other entrepreneurs how many entrepreneurs don't see the value of investing in themselves and i find that really surprising i'm like you i want to learn everything and sign up for lots of courses and go on different masterminds but i see a lot of other entrepreneurs who are like I'm too busy for that, or I don't have money for that, or I'm, you know, I'm not going to spend my time on that. It's not important. I think that's crazy. I genuinely think yeah. that's crazy because I think, you know, to think that you know everything, you know, you you need to know to run your business successfully or even to get to the next level, then you're already a multimillionaire. Like, why are you, you know, it, I'm not there. Right. <laughs> I'm not where I, I'm not where I want to be yet, you know, and in order for me to get there, I clearly, I don't know what I don't know. So I clearly need to learn it to keep evolving and changing. Otherwise I would have achieved it. So I just feel like the only way you're going to learn is or, or grow is by learning from others who've achieved that success. Um, and not only that, I've signed up to the same things over and over again, because there is a very big difference between learning and implementing. Yes. And I've come to notice that it's like I've gone to the same Tony Robbins events three times and people have gone, why are you doing it again? And I, I, sat, I remember the second time I thought, no, it's been a few years. I actually need to go back again. And sitting there, although a lot of the content I felt resonate and I've heard this before, but then I thought, but I'm not doing it, you know? So if I'm not doing it and I'm right. not implementing it, then have I actually learned it? Maybe not as well as I thought. And then I did the same event a third time. And the third time I definitely felt more confident, like, yeah, I know these things, but there's still things I'm not doing and I'm not implementing. And I'll happily do it a fourth time because I know I'll start to implement different things. So I think also dependent on where you are on your journey, you're gonna learn different things and yes. you're gonna pay attention to different things 
according to what you need. So as a result, I have no issue signing up to the same course two times, three times, four times, because I've seen that I take away different things each time. Um, and that's what's going to keep me moving forward. Mm. And I mean, I, I think that's so important because I do find that where you are at that point when you take it, you take away different things and I found that when I've repeated content as well you're like oh I didn't think about it that way last time and annoyingly sometimes it's really obvious things sometimes it's I know. so obvious and so simple I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe I had to come to a course for me to start doing this I could have been doing this all along but I always the main thing for me is whenever I sign up to anything I want to be able to walk out of it feeling like I've been able to track a change to that yeah. course or to that event or to that like what is that one thing that I can look back and say I've managed to change this because I attended this session I learned something from this workshop whatever it may be and I think if you're conscious of that then every single time you learn something you're going to come out of it with something new yeah and you on that you came to the female fusion retreat that we did in Mykonos and that was slightly different because that was you know getting away from work um I remember as well a few people said to me they're like why do we have all of this leisure time built in like we had a whole day where we went to like an ancient island and people were like but I want to work on business and then just having that time to slow down and to talk to other entrepreneurs I think gives you a different perspective as well doesn't it it totally does and I think it was really interesting because I actually came I mean I had a different reason for coming to the retreat because <laughs> for me I believe in visualizations and manifestations and I, I felt it called to me I just put it on a vision board and it appeared and I'm like I'm there so I literally booked without really thinking through the agenda or or how I didn't have expectations I thought yeah. I'm going to go as long as I get something new out of this experience I'm good um, but you're right I think out of the Greek retreat it was the people it was the people and it was the insights from you know people who are at different stages and in different industries and very interestingly um, a lady who I met at the retreat ended up coming with me to Tony Robbins um, and that wouldn't have happened so it's wow. um, so that to me is very interesting because sometimes the learnings you get aren't always in the shape you think you're going to yeah. get them in. So that that was also fascinating. Interesting. So what's next for you? What's next for me? So I am obsessed with the world of film and TV, so I'm constantly evolving in that space. Um, you know, we've done quite well in the workshop space, so I'm now looking at presenter workshops, and I think that's something I'm excited about. But I'm also looking at the industry as a whole and how is that shifting and what's the next evolution of our uh, product and, and service and you know I'm exploring the world of AI quite a bit because I'm thinking you know I understand that people can produce videos using AI tools right now that's fine they may not be at the quality yet that I think yeah. um, you know warrants kind of mass production but there's definitely a lot of AI tools that can aid in the video process so I'm I'm really exploring how to really best utilize that and maybe become more of an AI um, generated or a, um, AI generated company in the future. Um, I'm also looking at areas in the consulting space because I do a lot of media consulting and TV consulting because I although a lot of people say TV is dead, it isn't. you know it's it's really about TV still brings the credibility that a lot of online platforms don't have. So whilst you know we're fortunate enough to have a strong position in the TV market, 
in this region is how to build on that. We do have a, a talk show on uh, Dubai One at the moment, which is great. Um, and just looking at more opportunities in the TV space at the moment as well. Amazing. Well, we could go on for hours and I think you're going to be a guest again on the podcast so we can dive deeper. But I want to thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on video, running your business and everything in between. Thank you so much, Rain. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Women on the Rise podcast and our 30 most inspiring female entrepreneurs. If you are inspired by today's episode, why not come and join us in Female Fusion? We would absolutely love to have you. This is where you will be able to connect with the most incredible female entrepreneurs who are all committed to building a most profitable business. All you need to do is head over to femalefusionnetwork.com forward slash join. I look forward to seeing you on the inside.